We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Well, this is bad news if you're a fan of the Bengals or maybe for your fantasy team. If Jamar Chase was a part of it, well, you're going to have to look for a different option for the next four to six weeks. He has a hip injury, according to all of the insiders. Not sure if he's going to go on IR. Uh, doesn't look like he needs surgery, off, so that's clearly a positive, but... Listen, you can look at this being early in the season and think, well, it's kind of like the midway point of the season, I guess we're approaching and say, all right, well, they could probably weather the storm and they might be able to. You're right. But when I look at just the last couple weeks, and I know they were playing defenses that are not exactly like, you know, anything to write home about with New Orleans and Atlanta, New Orleans, the injuries, Atlanta still rebuilding, but he was really coming on. I mean, He had seven catches for 132 yards, two touchdowns against New Orleans. 11, excuse me, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns against the Atlanta Falcons. Like, these are the kind of games where we're like, hey, the Bengals are starting to look like themselves again. And maybe that's because they hung 30 points on New Orleans and 35 points on Atlanta, and Jamar Chase was a big part of that. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. First of all, their defense has gotten really hot, too, which is unexpected. We forgot about their defense. It was really good down the stretch. They haven't let up. They, they had, the Saints scored 26 on them, but they've kept teams in, in the teens all season long, especially the last several weeks. So I, 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 they have Cleveland and Carolina. They still have Boyd, and they still have Higgins. Yeah. And, Although Higgins, remember, had yeah. a concussion earlier in yeah, the season. Yeah, but he was back last week. Wasn't he no, back? No, he's been back, but I'm yeah. just saying. I, I think... Joe Burrow is so fire right now that I think they're going to survive this. And now my only concern is what's he like when he gets back? If if you have 80% of Jamar Chase, you are not a Super Bowl contender. If you have 100%, you are. But I think that the, they are well positioned actually to sustain this because they have a pretty deep roster. They do, and also the run game, which, yeah. you know, is good. Burrow has not been taking as many sacks. They're at Cleveland next week, and then Carolina, then they're by. Yeah, I mean, come on. Cleveland stinks right now, and Carolina is presumably was supposed to be tanking. Then again, <laughs> they just beat the Bucks. Bucks 21-3, and then at Pittsburgh by, that's four weeks. They could they could win three games in that. They could go 3-0. They're going to be favored in every game. It's possible, but no one's going to feel good about this. And, again, you're going to need, as you said, healthy Jamar Chase if you have even a thought of trying to make another Super Bowl run. And then, you know, to the fantasy owners out there, does this story hit more for real-life fans or fantasy owners? Oh, I don't know. I have Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson on my fantasy team. Uh, So you don't have to worry about this? No, I do have to worry about this because Jonathan Taylor was the most – he's the number one pick. Oh, right, right, yeah. And he's not doing anything. Yeah. So he's back though. Yeah, but he's not doing a. I don't know where my. I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, no one actually cares about <laughs> your fantasy, about my fantasy team. It was like team. the royal you, like you, everyone listening to me, your fantasy team. But it's funny. You look at this season on from a fantasy standpoint, and every surefire thing has fallen apart. There really is not that many guys because Taylor hasn't been good. McCaffrey really isn't doing anything for obvious reasons. Yeah, he's that been might change bouncing now, around. Though. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a. Yeah, <laughs> All right, I then mean, we shouldn't have given the trade. At basically, everyone who got Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in the 17th round ended up just <laughs> destroying everything. So uh, anyway, that was just a little complaining. I'm All sorry. Right, yeah, I know. You, uh, you done now? I heard a great debate the other day on ESPN. Who's a better receiver, Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, former LSU teammates? Mm. Better ah, receiver? How? To. I mean. Yeah. If you you just said, like, my gut reaction, like, who's better, I'm just like, Justin Jefferson is my gut. But I had to think about it because Jamar Chase is awesome. 
I know. Jamar, Jamar Chase is a better big play guy. Justin Jefferson's more consistent. It's an impossible yeah. question. Is well, it impossible what's, what's your question? gut tell you? Who would you say? Justin Jefferson be my first answer because I think he's one of the top three receivers in the whole league. Then yeah. I forgot. Jamar Chase the last three weeks reminded everybody that he's the best receiver. And but don't forget saying. who's throwing in the ball. Joe Burrow. Nothing against Kirk Cousins, Ka- but maybe Cousins a little throws bit. a catchable ball. Yeah, I guess he does, but I mean... Yeah. Joe Burrow will be fine with any receiver. T. Higgins is, you know, dominating. Yeah, Kirk Boyd Cousins is good. Is... I know. I, I, listen, I don't think that everyone's like, you know, looking around the Bengals like, all right, everything's fine. No, this is a big weapon that now gets taken away. Yes, they do have depth at the receiver position, so that's good. But, I mean, that's that's big, big news. So, Jamar Chase is going to be gone for a little bit. Did you happen to see what Kurt Warner had to say recently? I did. Yeah, I was surprised by this. So, Kurt Warner was talking to People Magazine. Okay. That's where I get my sports. (laughs) (laughs) When you think sports, you think People Magazine, of course. Uh, But it's a reputable magazine. Um, This is what Kurt had to say about Aaron Rodgers and about Tom Brady. He goes, quote, I think both of those guys look like they're exhausted. Mm. It's okay to go, you know what? It's not how it used to be. I may not be who I used to be. Or it's just too hard overall to get everybody up to the standard. Maybe it's time to walk away. I'm surprised that Warner would say this. First of all, I don't think that Tom Brady and his like ability to throw and Aaron Rodgers and his ability to throw, I don't think that's why these guys are struggling this year. Like, I don't think that's the reason. Well, but he's saying, did he sort of imply to get, it's tough to get everybody up to the standards, meaning that, you know, it's tough. Not, not only does Tom Brady have to throw the ball well, he has to lift all boats of that team. Maybe he's saying it's just too big a lift to make the entire team follow your lead and play well. Maybe it's more than, than just your ability to throw the ball. Okay, so he goes on. Another reason why those last couple of years I was doing more and more and more because I felt like there was more expected of me or there was mm. more I needed to do for us to be successful. It started to take more and more away from my family and my time. And again, me physically to be able to give them the time and effort that I wanted because my mind was always on other things. So all of that really just kind of played into why I made that decision. But it's hard. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Warner, not quite as consistent. as I mean, Kurt Warner had dips in his career. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have never had yep. real dips. I know Aaron Rodgers went down a few years ago. So I, it's, he's a different kind of quarterback. He also has a, what, how many kids does he have? I don't know. I'm not sure. A ton, I believe. <laughs> okay. A okay. ton. <laughs> the uh, answer is a ton. Yeah, and Kurt Warner is a guy whose family was so integral to his life. Now, Aaron Rodgers, that's not the case. No, but I mean, for Brady, it is. He doesn't have a for ton Brady, of kids, but his... He's a, he's a number of kids, right. But his family is very public. But how can Aaron Rodgers have the same excuse? Well, I mean, he still has a lot of pressure. Maybe, yeah, feel, okay. you know, that's mm. got to be on him. And it's, and probably more pressure than other guys, considering the market he plays in, you know? Like, I remember Peter King doing a story about all the stuff they were building around Green Bay. Like, all of the hotel, like, new hotels and this new There's no thing. pressure in Green Bay. Get out of here. I think it was like, on it Aaron was Rodgers? all getting built because... Aaron Rodgers was there. Now I know no one, no one person is bigger than the franchise, but like Aaron Rodgers comes pretty close. You think that the Packers quarterback has pressure from his home? I'd say there's less pressure from the home fans in Green Bay because it's such a, a, it's a small town. It's the most loyal town. Half the team, uh, half the citizens own part of the team. No, but you're there's no escape either. Like, yeah, except the offseason, right? But, yeah, and I don't mean that you're wanting to escape, but you're also like the number yeah, one guy there in a fishbowl. A lot, a lot on your shoulders. I see what you're saying. Uh, the funny thing is, how do you think Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers take this from Kurt Warner? He's a guy that everybody loves. Yep. I think if any calls other calls games, calls games. I think if any other quarterback had said that, 
I think they would have they would have cursed him out. Tom Brady is probably does not like hearing advice from anyone. But Kurt Warner is so likable that I, then maybe they do take it a little bit to heart. I think this is the bulletin board material that Brady and Rogers uh, probably uh, need. It's so like, oh, Kurt uh, Warner is going to count us out. Yeah, bleep that guy. You know, he thinks how I'm can done? anyone say bleep that I guy know. to Kurt Warner? Did you watch? Did anyone see the movie about his life? By the way, nah, nobody did. I swear, it is really, really good. And movies like that are never good. It's really good. <laughs> Uh, I, I did have a preconceived notion about it. No, I, I know. Thought it, it was going to be a little it sounds cheesy. totally saccharine well, be, and cheesy. Well, because his story, the real-life version of it, is like as close as you can get. It's it's pretty, it's awesome because it's real life and it happened. But as a movie version, I could be like, oh, I'm sure they're going to sap this thing the up. The guy who plays him is Zachary Levi, who played Shazam. Yep. He's a, he's really good. It's a really good movie. Of course, my guy Dick Vermeil is in it, played by... <laughs> Uh, by Dennis Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid plays him. It's yeah. a really touching story. My point is, it's kind of hard to get mad at Kurt Warner. No, I, I, I don't think you can put. I don't think you can use him as bulletin board material. But you know, Brady can use anybody. Uh, Stu had an update. Looks like seven kids. Seven total kids. Yeah, it's yeah. a handful. How many does Brady have? Brady's got one with Bridget Moynihan, and he's only has two with Giselle. No, he's got a bigger brew than that, doesn't he? I think Stu, it's get just on the. <laughs> Stu, you're. <laughs> it looks like three. Yeah. Oh, I thought he had th- two or three with Giselle. Giselle's got okay. I mean, what this is? This should She's be such a mystery for you. All she does is complain about how Tom needs to do more housework because she's only got two kids. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> Don't do that! Oh no! Don't do that! These are oh, muddy boy. waters here. <laughs> yeah, I would. I'd, I would retreat quickly. There's a new Us Weekly report that Giselle said to Tom uh, once again: retire. Or I'm ending the marriage permanently. Yeah. It, what, is Us Weekly like a month and a half behind? I feel like this already happened. I, I don't know. People are all talking about it on the internet today. So maybe it's maybe it just came out. But the thing is, I, what I don't know. about really, the report that they had already hired divorce lawyers? Yeah, but I don't know if that means it's over, over. I feel like if my husband hired a divorce lawyer, <laughs> I'd probably get the hint. <laughs> I don't know. I think this guy probably wants a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Well... I mean, they have a lot of money that they're splitting up. I would definitely. I know. I would definitely try to. I don't. You're not. I don't gonna think do you want to be the second one to a lawyer in that relationship. <laughs> no, but you don't want to <laughs> also try to do that face to face. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I know these are mighty words, but when Giselle said it's my time to shine in an interview in some magazine, I don't think she exactly said it's my time to shine. I think she said that she had a lot of projects that she wants to work on. Right, but I don't right. understand. Like my wife works ridiculously hard. I work yeah. hard. Like. I don't know. In a partnership, both people should have time to really focus on that, especially if you have money to help. I don't totally understand what's going on here. I, I have well, I've had trouble from the beginning. I understand her concern about his health, yeah. which came up in the Us Weekly story. That's legitimate. Yeah. But this thing about resources and time. Well, but think about it. Your wife works hard. You work hard. But you don't have half of the year where the person just basically disappears. And that's kind of what it makes it seem like, that during the season – Brady is basically, and this is kind of like pieced together from mm. his words too, like he's not available. So you're basically a single parent for her more than half the year. Okay, that's fair. Like that seems like it's but very of, difficult. Of the four sports, there's no doubt football is the easiest schedule on any athlete. I mean, they have so much downtime. Yeah, I months guess. Months and months and months no, of No, I know downtime. they get a huge offseason because their bodies have to recover because it's collision yeah. sport. But when you're the quarterback, you got to put so much time in with oh, film watching and all on. that. Oh, that's oh. Do you, they, you think I'm falling play? for something like no. I'm, the, I'm the rube? I think they actually watch a lot of tape. Oh, right. I feel whenever that oh, I watch 19 hours of tape. I I don't think that is always. Legitimate. You think Brady's lying about that? I think the amount of work that uh, even Brady says he puts in. Uh, first of all, 
He's not putting it in this year. <laughs> yeah. See if he's watched enough. I think the great quarterback. Baltimore Ravens secondary. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm more of the Tony Dungy school who would send his coaches home at 6 o'clock. I think this stay at the facility all night, well, I think it's, it's sometimes counterproductive. That's what I said about Russell Wilson. Like yeah. Russell Wilson was on the plane doing jumping jacks for four hours. Meanwhile, the sleep probably would have helped him more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Even plane sleep. Absolutely. J.J. <laughs> takes yeah, four a, naps a day. I know. He gets to take naps at the facility, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I, we're getting we're diving into a place that we probably don't want to be in Tom Brady's <laughs> personal life. but Well, I mean, Kurt Warner started it. Yeah, exactly. He did. And uh, Kurt Warner, because I watched the movie, I'm an expert on him. Yeah. And I know all of the, because that was all real. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Martz wanted to cut him, by the way. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway, Kurt Warner, nice guy. I don't, I don't think he's bulletin board material. It'd be fine if Tom Brady wins tonight. I'd like to see what he says after the game. Does he point at anybody and say, "Hey, you all counted me out"? Uh, definitely eight five five two one two four CBS. Got a message from Warner. Wait, doesn't Warner do? He does Monday Night Football on Westwood, right? Does he do Thursday night too? No, just Monday. Eight five five two. I should have known that. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Okay, coming up, we'll see if Perloff actually has the cojones to tell Colin Hanks what movie he was in that made Perloff cry the most and what line he delivered, right? We'll see. I don't know. If, Are I you don't starting know. to lose steam? Yeah. Oh, come on. I cry in movies. Is that so bad? No, I but it was, it. you have to tell him a, a line that he delivered made you cry. Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll see. Colin Hanks, he's going to join us next. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. If you are a baseball fan, but sports fan of any kind, or if you love documentary movies, got to suggest Say Hey, Willie Mays. Perloff and I have already seen it. It comes out Tuesday, November 8th at 9 p.m. on HBO. They'll be available to stream on HBO Max. It's all about Willie Mays. And one of the producers of the film is Colin Hanks, who's, of course, an actor, producer, director in his own right. Thanks so much for joining us, Colin. How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me uh, back, you two. And I say back because we, we've danced before. <laughs> we've yeah. done this yeah, yeah. a little yeah, bit, yeah. enough to know that we all know you're a massive San Francisco Giants fan. So doing a documentary about Willie Mays is not that shocking. But how important was it to you to tell this story while Willie Mays is still alive and still can contribute to his own legacy in that way? I'm I mean, always better to hear it from the man himself, right? Always better to hear it from the person that that, that lived to tell the, the, the tale. Yeah, I mean, it, massively important. You know, Willie Mays, that was sort of the name that was circled at the top of the list in terms of baseball stories. Like, if we, if we could tell that man's story, because it weirdly had not been told, that would be that would be, you know, I mean, that 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 would just be the bee's knees. And so uh, my producing partner Sean Stewart, who I work with on all my uh, on all my uh, doc features and everything, he he really took the ball and ran with it, and and worked very very hard to help make it happen. And honestly, it, it was it was really not so much because we're Giants fans, which we are, but you know I think there's oddly a disconnect with uh, with people in regards to you know everybody knows Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Joe DiMaggio. They know the stories. They know the, who they were as, as people and as players. But oddly, Willie Mays kind of exists in his own space. And people of my generation, and I'll just say 50 and younger, even though I'm not 50, but younger, <laughs> um, uh, 
you know, who were not around to see him play, I don't think they truly understand what a complete, unique player he was. And because of where he was in his life uh, and where he was, you know, in, in the history of American sports, I think you easily make the argument that he was the greatest baseball player that ever lived. And so we take the time to really sort of showcase that as well as who the man was and, and how he approached uh, the game and his life. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I'm just absolutely geeked to even be a part of this, to be quite honest. Colin, full disclosure, I'm a Phillies fan, so second best behind Bryce Harper right now. That's a given. I mean, <laughs> congratulations. I'm very happy for you. Yeah. I've been telling all of my Philly uh, friends, hey, congratulations. You're getting hot just at the right time, just like the San Francisco Giants <laughs> did in 2010. Oh, so stop. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's bitter memories. It's funny. This, what you said about Willie Mays is exactly what Maggie and I said when we were about to watch a documentary. We know so much about. Mantle, DiMaggio, even Hank Aaron, obviously Jackie Robinson. Uh, I I was really stunned. The 51 World Series. So DiMaggio was still there. And Willie Mays was just starting his career. And Mantle was just starting. It was an incredible collection of stars. But why is it? Can you explain more why Willie Mays doesn't get the folklore? I'm about your age. To me, I, I know everything about all those guys. All I know about Willie Mays is he is among the greatest of all time. But I don't have a strong sense of him as a person until the documentary? Well, you know, I will say that I think part of it is, is unique to his, his story. I mean, he did leave New York to, for San Francisco with the Giants. And I think you, you have to acknowledge the fact that once there are no longer three baseball teams playing in New York, Yes, he expands the game onto the West Coast, but he loses that very early, still relatively new television eye, which was truly, you know, and you can still argue is still primarily focused on East Coast time zone and sports. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why I've seen more, you know, Yankees, Red Sox games <laughs> on television than I do see Dodgers, Giants. Um, so I think that's part of it. But, you know, I think there's a... a an, an, another layer to it that I think is fascinating. And it's one that isn't really discussed very often. You know, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, all great players, all salesmen as well in, in their way. They were able to sort of tell their story, sell their story. Um, but they didn't play in the Negro Leagues. And I think that when you're talking about who is the best player of all time? And look, you're never going to solve that. <laughs> There's never going to be an overall consensus. But the truth of the matter is, is Willie growing up in the Depression era South, coming up through the Negro Leagues, moving up to the major leagues and dominating the way that he did. And then going to San Francisco, he sort of is a is present for such an important part of baseball history, as well as American history. And, you know, that's one of the things that we try to explore in the film. You know, it's not just his baseball life, but it's also how he handled his life, which ironically was very similar to the way that he played head down and let your let your game do your talking, you know, uh, put, let your hard work do all the work for you. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's an endlessly fascinating conversation. I could talk for five segments <laughs> about uh, about this, as you can see. But I think there are a lot of factors to it. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, for for our for the younger generation, 
it's really you, you can't stress enough. He was truly the first black superstar athlete to come out of baseball. You know, there were other great black players, without a doubt. And, and, and you know, there are other ones that are very, very famous for, for, for their, what they did on and off the field. But Willie was the five-tool player, man. He really did everything. And, you know, not only did he do it uh, uh, incredibly well, uh, he would do it until he was bone tired. You know, I mean, he would play in all-star games. He'd beat the all-star team twice in one day because they used to play two all-star games in one day back then. So he was just there. He was the first true, just like mind-bogglingly talented athlete that just dominated his sport. And it just so happened that he was coming up, you know, in the city at the dawn of television when that kind of thing was just starting out. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's lost to history. There's a lot of stuff that you can't really, you know, speak to until enough time has passed. But I don't know. That's that's part of my spiel for that answer. <laughs> it's it's a lot. Colin Hanks is joining us. Say hey, Willie Mays is the name of the documentary. It debuts Tuesday, November 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO. Then it's available to stream on HBO Max. Uh, I don't want to ruin anything about Willie Mays' story, but can I tell you one thing that I did not expect coming out of this documentary? Barry Please. Bonds, very likable. Barry yes. Bonds, very likable mm-hmm. in this documentary. We know he has a good relationship with Willie Mays. He kind of said he's like a second father to him and how many games yeah. Willie was there to watch Barry, obviously. He was also a legend in San Francisco. So that was like the one really unexpected, besides obviously Mays' story. I was like, ooh, Bonds. Yeah. That's a, this is a of nice course. Barry Bonds bump for him. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I mean, it's, as someone who is a, a, a fan of Barry Bonds and, and, you know, he's obviously a very decisive figure, you know, within within baseball. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you can say about him. The truth of the matter is, is that we felt like the film would be incomplete if there wasn't a, a mention of their relationship. And it really wouldn't be a Willie Mays documentary if Barry wasn't involved. You know, um, one of the things that uh, comes up quite quite a lot in the film is Willie talking about how people took care of him. You know, uh, 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 Louis DeRocher took care of him. Uh, uh, you know, all of these different people that helped raise him took care of him. The, uh, the lady that was, you know, he lived in their apartment when they came to New York. They took care of him. He took care of the players that came up after him as well. You know, all the Latin players that came up through the San Francisco organization. Uh, Bobby Bonds, Barry's father, and eventually Barry as well. So we felt that, you know, we had to find a way to include Barry. And much like Willie himself, what better way to tell that part of the story than have the actual person tell it? So it was a very long process, you know, um, that's, you know, Barry is very uh, wary. Uh, I don't mean to rhyme, but he's very <laughs> guarded um, when it comes to interviews. Um, I get the sense that he has been bit very badly by people saying the interview is going to be about one thing and then it becomes something else. And so we stay true to our word and focused on what it was. And I think as a result, you see a side of Barry that I don't think has ever been presented before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really got the sense that I was actually seeing the real Barry Bonds talk about his love for his godfather and, and the love of baseball as well. Um, there's was never a more exciting, unedited, raw interview than than the one we got of Barry, because you just got a sense of uh, his his true personality. And it turns out kind of delightful. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought yeah. same thing as Maggie. Unbelievable. 
Uh, I have to put you on the spot. When Aaron Judge was hitting all these home runs this fall, who do you consider the single-season home run uh, record holder? I consider Barry Bonds to be the record holder. I thought that actually framing it as the AL champion, I thought was a, 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 a witty way of, of putting it. But uh, no, look, the truth of the matter is the game is the game. You know, we'll look at the history of the game and we call we talk about the dead ball era. We talk about the era of the designated hitter. We talk about the AstroTurf era, all of these things. They all happen. And if the World Series count for those years that, you know, Bonds and Sosa and all of them played, then their records count. Um, that was the game at the time. Like it or not, that was the game. And so... Um, I was absolutely just enamored this season with Aaron Judge. I thought it was incredibly exciting. I, he found a way to get me to root for the Yankees, which is damn <laughs> hard. Um, well, Colin, with was, that in uh, mind, you know, yeah. what, uh, this was a, a popular thing a couple years ago, like when LeBron James was going through his first free agency. All these different celebrities from every different city would, like, make a video trying to pitch – you know, LeBron, yeah. come here, come there. Yeah, Spike yeah, Lee yeah. directed a video to try to come to the Knicks. Obviously, that didn't work out. Yeah. But now Aaron Judge is going through it. San Francisco is a place that is close to where he grew up. And now yeah. there's a report out saying the Giants will not be outbid by the Yankees. So if you were one of the celebrities they came to for the Giants to say, hey, make the pitch to Aaron Judge, like come to the Giants, what would you say? I mean, I don't even know how you begin to make that pitch, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, I really genuinely don't. I mean, I would love to see him play for the Giants, for sure. I mean, uh, what talk about an absolute just specimen of a baseball player. That guy is just absolutely fantastic. Handles himself uh, just impeccably. I mean, he really is such a great uh, example uh, 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 for, for you know young kids playing the game. Would I love to see him in the black and orange? Yes, absolutely. Do I think anyone else has the payroll to be able to pay that man? I don't know if the Giants do. I don't even know if the Yankees really do, <laughs> but I'm sure they're going to find a way. We're talking to Colin Hanks, producer of Say Hey Willie Mays, a wonderful documentary. All right, Colin, we got acting questions. Can we jump in? Okay. So <laughs> yeah. I want you to tell somebody, tell your agent, I got Paramount Plus so I could watch the offer. I was so into it. Then I did, I researched everything. I understand your character was not an actual person, right? You played uh, in the offer about the making of the Godfather. It was sort of an amalgamation of different Hollywood guys. I'm sorry, I wanted to punch you throughout 75 percent of the movie, but you were no, so that's good. A compliment. Yeah, that's good. That means I did my job. Mission accomplished. Yeah, Lapidus, get your act together. Up. Yeah. Oh no, I love that. Yeah, you know it's funny because uh, uh, my friend Dexter Fletcher, who was one of the producers, he directed the first few episodes. He called me up. He's like, so I'm doing this Godfather thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and I got this role I think you'd be perfect for. I said, yeah, what is it? He goes, oh, it's it's like the bad guy. He's the guy who didn't want to make uh, the Godfather. I said, great. What's his name? He's like, well, he's he's sort of like all of the people that didn't want to make the Godfather. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so the one fake guy? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, sure. Love to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that one was a, that one was a lot of fun. And, and it's just tickles me that so many people were able to, to catch it and, and watch it. And so I love it when people say they wanted to, to, to slap Barry Lapidus. I take that as a point of pride. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, now with a friend of the family, you got a lot of projects going on friend of the family, which yep. is streaming on Peacock right now. I haven't watched that yet, but I have watched the documentary that this is based on. And when yes. you watch the documentary about what happened to this family, 
and how a next door neighbor kind of like infiltrates this family. I remember just looking at my husband each time being like, no way, no way, no yeah. way, no way. But it's yeah. all true. And you had to find a way to like connect with one of these characters that seems like they're all kind of awful. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that one was a hard one because it is a crazy story. You know, the Broberg family it was a young uh, Mormon family in Pocatello, Idaho in the, in 73. They were incredibly naive, very, very sweet family. And they were they were taken advantage of by a master manipulator predator who was a, a family friend. And, you know, I think when a lot of people watch the documentary like I did, I was freaking out going, how on earth do they make all of these horrible decisions i do not understand this and it was, it was frustrating i was yeah. like yelling at the tv but how <laughs> why would you do that um and really the show over the course of nine hours really takes the time to show how that happened and show that grooming mm -hmm. process and show uh just how much they were manipulated and so hopefully people have a better understanding and maybe a little bit more empathy for uh, for the broberg family afterwards all right con you utter a line in a movie and this is sort of a quiz if you could guess which line it is uh, maggie doesn't know that makes me almost cry every time i hear it and it's a movie i've seen 10 times does you have the line can you guess what movie i'm talking about uh, well, geez, I don't know if I've made that many movies in the last 10 years. I don't know if I could do it. I'm not sure. I, hint, I, I, really. I have kids. I have kids who are 10 and Jumanji, 12. So it's got to be Jumanji. Jumanji won at the end, and I don't want to spoil her, but that you named your daughter <laughs> after the character. Oh, ah, got yes, me. okay. Got me every time. And yeah? I've seen it 10 to... Maggie, as a three-year-old, has not fully been into the Jumanji <laughs> 1 and 2. It is one of our all-time favorites. I'll, you know, I'm telling you right now, I'll come back on this program anytime yeah. because you've wanted to hit me and you've cried based yeah. on, on it's things no. that I've done. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to start performing <laughs> for you from now on. You're, I think I'm just going to. That's all I need. I just need you. You're yeah. Perloff's favorite actor. It's, 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 this is a huge day for us. Is our whole lives and show is culminating just to this moment. Uh, we have like no time left with you. But I have one more question for you. So you've sure. gotten into documentary films and producing them. And now you're tackling Willie Mays, who really is an icon for so many different reasons in sport and society. You may not think of him this way, but to a lot of us, your father is also an icon. Have you thought about mm -hmm. telling his story Whenever that time comes, do you want to be the person who tells the Tom Hanks story? Well, my Tom Hanks story is going to be very different from somebody else's. So my documentary would be about how he doesn't remember his password for anything on <laughs> his computer. He can't get, you know, anything to work. Right. Like, honestly, <laughs> if I'm making that film, it's called Why Would It Work For Me? The Tom Hanks Story. <laughs> and I don't think people really want to hear that version. I mean, trust me. It's great, yeah. and it's actually better. Yeah. But it's uh, the dad yeah, stop no. FaceTiming me accidentally when you mean to call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Trust me, the butt dials are are pretty <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, no, you want to know what I think? Uh, I think I will. I will leave that to someone else, mm. and and uh, you know maybe I'll take the Barry Bonds approach to it. You know, if mm. need be, be a contributor. <laughs> uh, we like it. Say hey, Willie Mays, Tuesday, November eighth at nine p.m. on HBO. Then it'll be available to stream on HBO Max. We loved it. It was great. Thank you so much oh. for joining us, and good luck with all your projects in the future. Don't be a stranger. No, thanks a lot, y'all. I appreciate it. I'll appreciate see you next time. Colin Hanks, appreciate that. More Maggie and Perloff right after this. 
Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. If you missed any of our interview with Colin Hanks today, you can always download the Maggie and Perloff podcast. It's wherever you get your podcasts, and it's fun. All right, we got a big Thursday night showdown tonight. I think this means a lot for Tom Brady and the Bucks. Perloff, not so sure. He just still believes in Tom Brady pixie dust is going to save the day. Yeah, I just read it. It'll be the first time in 23 years of Tom Brady playing football that he will be two games under 500. Ever. The That's first crazy. Time. Yeah, but it's funny. This this season sets up where the NFC South is showdown, and he's going to get players back and healthy. I mean, this is a tough game. They're favorites. I don't know how, but... Well, not by much. It's only a two-point spread. Right, but it won't be... It'll be very embarrassing. I think it'll be more of a PR hit than an actual season-long hit if they lose. Yeah, and I think the PR hit's going to be big. Um, if they lose tonight, they go to three and five. You're just going to get more of the same. What's wrong? He doesn't want to be here. You know, and uh, you know, heaven forbid if we see him scream at an offensive lineman or throw a tablet, then forget it. You know, it's gonna. They're everyone's going to write. You know, Tom Brady should have never come back this year. Uh, mid-season retirement. That's. Uh, I mean, we're already getting questions about that. We'll have a lot more. Okay, so let's look at tonight's game, though. And, you know, listen, I know that the Bucks to me, feel like the more desperate team, but if you're going to give me the two points against the Ravens yeah. on the road, I'm going to take them. Um, I just... The, the funny thing is, is that all the Bucks injuries, right? So they're down basically four cornerbacks and or four defensive backs, yeah. right? This might be the one team that really might not be able to take advantage of that. Like the Ravens, that is. The one team that really can't take advantage of that is maybe other teams can. They are primarily a rushing team. But if you look at the Bucks' defense on the rushing side of things, they're living on reputation right now. They're actually not a good run defense. They have been a good run defense. They have in the past. They're not right now. So I think Lamar Jackson is dangerous here. In terms of some props, Obviously, a Lamar Jackson anytime touchdown, I feel like, just makes a lot of sense. It's plus 180 right now on DraftKings. Uh, I'm sorry, Perloff. I, I I keep going on and on. What do you think about yeah, the yeah, spread? No, I, because I'm going to amplify everything you just said. I, I think that... Are you taking the points? I'm taking the points. And I, I think this spread is wrong, which makes me very nervous. You know, when you see... I mean, obviously, with those injuries and the fact that they scored three points against the Carolina Panthers yep. who were tanking, I felt like it should have been... Minus two for Baltimore. So this feels like a safe play. Sometimes it's just common sense. Uh, but I got a prop I love. Oh, okay, Wait, go. Uh, okay. I know nothing about Cade Otten. The Bucks. Oh, I thought that was made up. When no, I saw I him, I was like, that's a made up person. Okay, yeah, it sounds like Otter, like an Otter character in your kid show or something. <laughs> Cade Otten, the rookie tight end. Yeah. Is plus 285 anytime touchdown. Yeah, that's now, a Brady guy right there. Right? That is a Brady guy <laughs> right tight there. tight end, yeah. Yeah, Cam Brate, who is basically, yep. the earth, he's the precursor to Kate Otten. They're yeah, the same I person. I thought for a second they said that Cam Brate had a concussion, but they actually secretly snuck him back into the game under this new alias of... <laughs> Kate Otten? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's kind of like how Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi could yeah, be platooning. We don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys like my Freaky Friday, Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones theory that they actually put out Zappi and Mac Jones' jersey next week? Yeah, I yes, flesh it out for everybody. Well, basically, Bill Belichick's getting in a lot of trouble right. for platooning quarterbacks, so he has to go to the first-round pick Mac Jones. But what if he stuck Bailey Zappi in a Mac Jones uniform? Would anyone know? Absolutely not. And if he put Kate Otten tonight? <laughs> no, but I like, I like your thought that you put Mac Jones with the Bailey Zappi uniform yeah. in, and then you make the switch to Mac Jones, but yeah. Zappi's been better. 
Yes, Zappy's <laughs> played much better. You're right. Yeah, no, it's funny. It sounds like the plot of a movie, doesn't yeah. it? Like some sort of body yeah, switching movie. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is there. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that movie from the 80s where the woman cut her hair and pretended to be a boy? Just like just like a guy, they're called? Sam One of the guys? You've One of this. the guys, I think, yes. Yeah, this yeah, was the, a strong HBO after-school situation. It was on a lot. Yes, this is totally what the Patriots are setting up yeah. for. I don't see Bill Belichick as a rom-com kind of guy. <laughs> well, you already said you think he's a Broadway <laughs> but, guy, so well, it's not that far off. Let's get back to the Bucks and the Ravens. Meanwhile. Kate Otten. So at some point, Tom Brady's going to figure out who can play his kind of offense. And the other thing, too, is they got to try somebody else at running back, right? Leonard Fournette, I'm not saying it's all his fault at all. Yeah. But it's just not working, right? So go to the rookie white. Just try something. Something's got to get better, doesn't it? So this leads me into one of my props, which I want to take Leonard Fournette over three and a half receptions. Mm, that'll help. That's this good. This is like go back to the Brady bread and butter, which is that running back that can catch passes, you know, out of the backfield and just like the James mm. White thing that we watched for years and years and years. They were so good at it. And Brady's had 15 of these guys. And I like Fournette over three and a half receptions. Well, right. So they signed Gio Bernard this year was going to be that exact guy, former Bengal, and he got hurt, yep, of course. Of course. He um, would have been perfect. I think I think you're right. I think they're missing that guy. But I'm not sure Len Fournette is that guy because wouldn't he have been already? Uh, I think it's going to be forced into the role tonight. I want to see someone with a little more explosion. I know that Fournette's a, a bruiser, yep. but I mean, this there is an opportunity. Like I said, there's meat left on the bone. Uh, what about what do you expect from the Ravens' attack tonight? You think it's a lot of Lamar running? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, what do you think? Well, the other do you think is there another way they play? Well, I saw a plus one twenty on a touchdown for Mark Andrews. I mean, oh, well, any plus, plus money on that? Sure. It should be minus four hundred. Yeah. I mean, Mark Andrews is there? Is anybody able to cover him? Well, Bateman's going to play too, right? I know they were yeah. a little limited in practice this week, but I think that's limited because you're on a short week. So I'm not really going to, you know, look yeah. too hard into that. Um, no, I th- yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of Lamar. There's two plays. Lamar runs, throws the ball to Mark Andrews. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Now, what about fourth quarter about, for wait, Lamar? Wait, is Duvernay playing? Who cares? It does not matter. You could, <laughs> you could line matter. up. You could line up Jerry Rice and Jonathan Taylor. He's going to throw the ball to Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews is going to catch gonna it catch every it, time. Yeah. That's true. You uh, just and why you play zone against Mark Andrews? So I, I'm really excited for this game. This is a. Uh, Finally, last week, uh, my guy Andy Dalton was playing, but it was a bit of a mess with New Orleans, Arizona. I mean, it was entertaining to the rest of us. Yeah. Because <laughs> he kept throwing pick sixes. This is actually like a really compelling Thursday night game, right? This is as good as it gets. Lamar so. Jackson, Tom Brady. All in. This portion of the show is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app and use the code MMP for Maggie and Proloff and get in on the action. I think it's a huge game. And you're right. It's like maybe not in the standings. Like, could Brady come back from a three and five start if they lose tonight? Of course he can. But it's just going to start snowballing. It's going to start snowballing Mm. about final season and all of that. So in a lot of ways, like this being a standalone game, too, there's just nowhere to hide. Can I also predict another storyline we may be talking about tomorrow? A John Harbaugh decision about going for it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> this definitely. is death in taxes and a Harbaugh decision on fourth down. <laughs> oh, if you could bet or, on or that. Or two-point conversion. Or two-point conversion. Uh, right. We also got some college tonight. Two of my or, guys playing each other, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh. They got the Cam Rising, Cam Ward, the, cam, the Battle of the Cams, <laughs> Utah, Washington State. Cam Ward, sneaky draft sleeper. Just saying. Watch out. Unless he goes back to college, in which case it won't Was matter. Was he on Maggie's top... 
five uh, QBs. He's not sniffing pros? a top five list. No, well, I said so. Then you know, sleeper. The Perloff guy. He said sleeper. This is so yeah, yeah. a solid backup. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Cam, Ward, backup. Cam Ward will sneak in a first round mocks, but I, I, he's a guy. He was at Incarnate Word in San Antonio and threw for seven thousand yards last year. Now he's at Washington State, who's pretty good, not great, playing Utah tonight. I don't know. Unless I get the seal of approval from Ryan Leaf, not doing it. Not put him on my list. He likes him. Ryan, I've asked Ryan. Okay. They're, they're friends. The problem is Thursday night college football, Amazon, how do you do it? It's tough. And I even have the Roku, so like I can't switch back and forth. I'm going to have to. Yeah, so I have to hit like six buttons to get back know, to the like, TV. I've never watched Star Trek, but I imagine it's like Captain Kirk something sitting on. Is yeah, this a dated it, reference? It, probably. It, it tests your skills. Like It's like a yeah. video game to try and flip from Amazon and a commercial back to other stuff. I know, but I, I had to like bow out of video games when we got to Super Nintendo because the controller got too much. Speaking of Amazon, I did see recently uh, in a tweet that Fitzpatrick and Brady were embracing each other and hugging down on the field, which, you know. Yeah. Remember the in the last dance when Larry Bird and Michael Jordan embrace? And he goes, you mother bleeper. Yeah. And he goes, bleep you. It was one of those embraces. <laughs> Although I don't think Brady cares. and He still doesn't no, no, care no. enough about Fitzpatrick. No. That was Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. This is Tom Brady. <laughs> and I, know. And Ryan, <laughs> I realize Michael Ryan Jordan Fitzpatrick Bart, isn't holding belong. up his end of the bargain here. Yeah, in that I, comparison. I, I told you guys they were going to be kumbaya. There's no way. And I, and you For point, the cameras. No, you point out, Ryan Fitzpatrick says like two things that are mildly critical of Tom Brady, then like 400 compliments about That's him. That's true. Yeah. I know, because Brady kicked his butt for most of this time <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. The only Amazon guy that will stay with it, Richard Sherman, once he gets on your case, he will not let go. I know. <laughs> Hear what he has to say about Russ doing calisthenics in the oh, aisle. Oh, oh, oh. Michael London, you know they're going to talk about it. Uh, thank you, Mike Sanders. Do call back. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We're back on TV tomorrow as well, CBS Sports Network. See you then.